0: Hello, everyone. Welcome into another episode of Kentucky Daily, a daily podcast covering your University of Kentucky Wildcats. I'm Sean Smith, joined by Derek Terry. Derek, how are you?
1: Doing well, Sean. How are you today?
0: Doing well, Derek. Getting ready for a, uh, another snowstorm to come through. It looks like it's oh, going to be a much bigger one than the one that just uh, kind of hit and maybe had one snow day down here. We're going to get a pretty healthy amount of snow, looks like.
1: You uh, been to the grocery store?
0: I gotta go today. I gotta get that bread and I gotta get that milk. I've been to Kroger's, as they <laughs> call it down there, Kroger's and WalMarts. Got to get that bread, Sable and that's what lots. we're uh, that's what we're doing on this pod too. We're going to continue to get that bread, right? <laughs> Hope so. Well, let's uh, let's talk about this. I, I wanted a, I wanted a close game. You texted me last night, and you said you got your close game. You. <laughs> you got what you wanted, but the the problem was, Derek, I, I got the close game that I wanted, but I didn't get to see Kentucky at full strength. I, I, we didn't have any questions answered because uh, they, they were so out of sync. I sent you a couple of videos today that just late getting into offense, I mean, I'm talking 10 seconds on the shot clock, and it's Ty Washington who was limping around, and, and he was hurt and missed some time down the stretch. Xavier Wheeler plays... A little under four minutes, and the first play of the game, you saw him set up, tie tie for a three. I, Kentucky certainly missed him, and this is a team that I still think that they're good. They're going to make a run in the tournament. I fully believe that. But here's the deal: they got to have all their pieces. That's the only way they're good.
1: Just a very unusual situation last night. I cannot remember a game, falling, you know. If it's happened, people can feel free to correct me. I can't remember a game where Kentucky lost its starting point guard four minutes in and then midway, I think it was around midway through the second half or for most of the second half, whatever, lost their backup point guard two, to cramps. And of course, like you said, Tata tried to come back, but he was, he was not effective. We'll say that. And he was injured. I mean, he was having a hard time playing. Like it's not his fault. We've seen Tata whenever he's fully healthy, be a very good basketball player for Kentucky. So that in a in a sense, it, like you said, it's very hard to judge because you had Mints last night have to carry the, the point guard duties, and I don't know how much Mints. I'm sure with the second team in practice, he does some stuff, but you know it's different with this group. He's probably not played a whole lot of you know he's not played a whole lot of point in games. We've seen that, and when you ask him to go off his role as a you know off ball shooter, even asking Ty Ty a freshman to take on that new role, that that changes things. I mean, it's not making excuses for Kentucky. Th- these are legitimate reasons as to what contributed to a loss last night. Now, yeah. on the other hand, Sean, they shoot 36% but hit eight threes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that was a bit odd. But they had that one little stretch right there to start the second half where they hit five out of six. But in general, the LSU, which is one of the most efficient defenses in the country, they made it very tough for U.K., and that is a big point to make whenever you're already down uh, for sure your top point guard. And then for some of the game, you have to play without your backup point guard. That was going to be a tall task to win that basketball game last night.
0: It was 100% a tall task. And and they're going to get more opportunities, but it's just hard to overcome everything you lost. And and still, even though that they didn't have Savir, even though Tata was – was laboring there in the second half, you still got to find a way to get baskets. And, and they got to the free throw line. They, they just couldn't hit them. What, 10 of 20 for the game? I mean, you, you lost the game alone in that category. Neither team and shot well. No. and But you saw the challenges that it presented and stuff. Uh, like I said, the clip that I put up on Twitter today where they get in the clock with 10 seconds left in the shot clock, they're starting to get into their offense. That That's a problem. Uh, but they did have that flurry there to start the second half. They did, they did get baskets. Uh, Kellen Grady got hot and some of their, their fl- floppy action run along the baseline. Uh, but just couldn't make the plays down the stretch. They, they certainly fought, though. They fought and gave themselves a chance, which then leads into – there's always going to be – any game that they lose that is close, Notre Dame going back to talking about whether to take a timeout or not, this one – I don't really know if there's a right answer or a wrong answer. I think it's all just opinion-based. And it, it, it's hard to sit there and watch a game on TV and then go to Twitter and, and think that you can make the decisions that the head coach should be making. I get it. I, no chance was he taking a timeout when Shibwe got the steal. I think a lot of people are thinking that people are talking about taking a timeout there. No. You trust Oscar to make that play there and to get it to Kellen or get it to to Mintz. My thing was is I, I thought, honestly – and this is just my take now. I've watched the game twice. I actually think that they should have taken the timeout. I think there was about 14 seconds to go in the game, down 63 to 60, and here's why. You have Lance Ware and Oscar Shiboy and Jacob Toppin on the floor with Mintz and Grady. And you're, you're going to need a three, the way the game's going there. I, that's just not a lineup that you want to do that with. And then I think guys look rattled. And that was the only reason I would have even said, hey, let, let's take one here, to make sure you get what you want. I, I get the take two defense – LSU gets to set it up. There's the number one defense in the country, according to Ken Palm. It's going to be an uphill climb regardless. But I just I thought that they were rattled, and you, and you saw it when Mintz kind of goes out of control up and down the floor and he gets back tipped and the game's over.
1: Yeah, I felt like Sheboy maybe just got a little sped up. I don't know if he didn't realize how much time was left on the clock or what, but there was plenty of time, and he, and he runs down that ball and gets the still. It's a great play and then just turns and fires in between two people. I mean, you had two guys over there who no one else was near, and you just got to settle down right there. But that, that is is a—it's an unusual play late in the game. I'm with you, and exactly for the reason you mentioned, you need to put Dante Allen in, I think, at that yeah. point, right? Uh, he's he's basically on the other option even, on the bench. Even though he's not hit a shot
0: in forever. Uh, it's Well, you know Lance Wearing ain't going to hit a
1: three. Exactly. So.
0: It's still a better option. and Right. And I just think that, I mean, yeah, I know a lot of people, it's easy to go at Cal. In that situation, it's easy to criticize, but that's not – I mean, still, they, they lost the game in other spots. Not on that final 15, 16 seconds of the game. Like, they, if, they, if they hit free throws, they win. If they, if they hit two shots during that LSU run, they win the game. I mean, they're, they're right there with the a yeah. chance. But my thing is, not having Savir throws it off, not having Tata and Savir severely throws it off. And then you, not only for the team, but I think as a head coach, how many times do you think that they've ran a lineup on in practice this year that didn't include at least one of Tata or Savir?
1: Very rarely, especially very rarely once the season got going.
0: Yep, and and you could see it on their – they tried to get into some of their Spain action and stuff with the the pin down with Sheboy to Grady, then getting to the hollow and the duck in, and they didn't know how to set it up because they had such an odd lineup on the floor, but that, that's what – That's what it does to you. Now I I will say this, Shaden Sharp would have definitely played last night if he had been on (laughs) campus because they they would have had to have gone to him. Sean, I'm just
1: struck by this box score, how similar it is. Now, one difference, LSU did shoot better for the game. LSU shot 42% compared to 36% for Kentucky. From three, U.K. went 33%. LSU went 39%. But it it was very close. U.K. went eight for 24 from three. LSU went nine for 23. At the free throw line, like you mentioned, Kentucky went 10 for 20, which is obviously 50%. LSU goes 53%, 8 for 15. But this is where it's very similar. Turnovers, both teams have 15. Points off turnovers, Kentucky has 16, LSU has 15. Total rebounds, 39 each. Uh, Fast break points, 9 to 7. Points in the paint, both 24 each. Very similar. The one big difference, second chance points, Sean. 16 for LSU, 6 for Kentucky. So, that is one area. Um, LSU forced 11 stills. A really good job by them there. And they also assisted more. I mean, Kentucky without Wheeler, without um, Tata for some of it, and then obviously some bad shooting. They only have 11 assists for the game. So, it was still a competitive basketball game. LSU led for 24 of the minutes, but Kentucky had that run. It felt like, Sean, they were possessions away from running away with that game. And maybe not. LSU's defense is good enough. Maybe that's as – as high as the lead would have grown. I guess my message would be, and I know people are frustrated because it's, you know, they, they just have a hard time now, it seems, like, beating quality teams, especially on the road. But this this is different than Notre Dame. This is a situation where you're down two of your key players and you're trying to adjust things on the fly, and they still battled right to the very end, man.
0: That's why I don't think last night was the assessment tool that you no. used to, to measure where they are. I, I, I think this team's going to be fine. Uh, last night did not change any of my opinions. I still want to see them in a close game against a quality opponent to see how they execute. Because we didn't get to see that last night. They they had no idea uh, how to set things up. They were getting into the offense late. There are some bright spots, though. Uh, we'll definitely talk about Jacob Toppin and his performance. But I do oh, yeah. got to ask you this. And, and I've kind of been of – I've kind of – I want to say I've adopted this mentality, too, as a coach – uh, two fouls in the first half. Oscar Sheboy sits. He finishes the game with two fouls. I used to be that same coach, and I get it because you wanna you wanna save him for the second half, and they were able to run him the entire time. Uh, but if he's gonna finish the game with two fouls, even three fouls, you could have ran him a lot in the first half too. I I get it, but here's my thought: I used to do the exact same thing. My teams play 24 minute games. Why am I sitting kids with two fouls in the first half? We play 24 minutes, not 40. But you get what I'm saying. Like uh, just trying to manage the game, they built a nine-point lead. It, it worked. They just didn't get good good offense in the final twelve minutes.
1: This feels like one of those hindsight things to me. It is, um, especially with the way Oscar plays, man. Because when you're on the road in the SEC, you know how officiating is. He's one more time in that first half if he's still in the game, going for a rebound or whatever. And if the ref decides that he went over the back, then he's got three right there. But it, I, I do think the point you're making about he had two in the first half, he had zero in the second half. Oscar has done a good job this year, not fouling out of games, not being in severe foul trouble. For he's had some games where he's gone to the bench early, for sure. Um, I do think I, I saw one of the one of the kind of takes with that was, well, Wheeler's out of the game already, so you're already shorthanded anyway. Can you really afford to not have Oscar in the game for? for a certain amount of time. And I get that. But again, that's not something I think I want to criticize too much on. I think it's a tough call to make, but (laughs) I do understand if like, if, if Cal and I don't think he is this, but if he is just so stubborn that it's 2000, no matter what on the bench for the rest of the half, um, then I think that's, you know, you need to be more flexible than that. But what was, it was 35 to 30 at halftime and, you know, and I think LSU had a little run right before Topping hit that shot right before the buzzer. So, like, it was pretty tight right there. I don't – it wasn't like the game was getting away from you in the first half, basically. So, I can understand why he left him on the bench. But you did mention Topping earlier. I mean, that shot he hit right before the half, it felt like it gave them a little bit of momentum. And it capped off a perfect six-for-six six half for him. He was – he was fantastic. And I think what I said yesterday and what you agreed with proved to be true again. Like, you can kind of tell from the start what Keon Brooks is going to be. Yeah. And uh, it didn't look like it was going to go well for him yesterday. And Toppin really uh, – I can't remember who said it. Someone tweeted that, like, they said Toppin plays his best when, like, the other the rest of the team's playing bad. And it wasn't a knock on Toppin, but, like, he was – I feel like he's kind of right. It does seem that way. Do you remember the uh, Louisville game last year? Yeah. Where that was, like, kind of his breakout. Like, oh, my God, Jacob Toppin's, like, kind of keeping UK in this game. Against Vanderbilt, I wouldn't say the team was playing bad last year, but it was, like, his breakout game where he played really well. And last night, I mean, he – He kept them in that game, Sean, in the first half.
0: He did. And I mean, incredible performance from him. And you're, you're getting to a point though. Do you, do you want to look at starting him over Keon just for the energy? I mean, if, if he comes out and he has a higher energy play in the first minute of the game, it might kind of dictate what you're doing. It might get the flow of the game moving positively in that right direction. Now, I don't know, but the, the minutes last night, I, I do think that that fourth spot is going to play out exactly how we said it yesterday. Whoever's got the hot hands going to play the most minutes. And last night it was Jacob Toppin. You saw that. Keon Brooks only played 14 minutes in a game where they're down two guys late in the in the clock. Uh, but he he was very good. I thought Mintz went in. He hit some big shots early in the second half. Uh, Mintz is a guy to me that still does not look comfortable with this roster. Is, do you get that sense, too, like he just – I think he kind of feels – it's one of those things where, what's my place? Last year I had to go get baskets. I had to try to do everything I could to help win games. And you saw that mentality kind of take over in the second half. He made a beautiful move going to the basket uh, there late in the game. But I feel like that he's the one. And maybe that layoff in December where he missed some time really hurt him and is holding him back. But he's he's starting to come on. But he's not a point guard like John Calipari said. You saw that last night.
1: Yeah, I think it was tough for him with some of that time that he missed, too. He he missed there in some of those games. Uh, I guess it was late November where he – I don't know how many games he missed, but that probably didn't help him. Um, he's got that – he's just got that dog mentality, though, man. Like, Like you said, they needed him at the end of the game, and he stepped up, hit a big three, got to the rim to cut it down to one. He's just been around a long time. He's the kind of guy you probably like having in in those situations, but I can see that. I can see where last night, I think he could recognize that, you know, Callan got hot there for a minute. He had a bad first half, um, shot the ball a little bit better in the second half, but still didn't have a good game overall. He went 33% for 12. Um, wasn't, wasn't horrible. Wasn't horrible, but, you know, he couldn't buy a bucket in the first half. Gets hot. Uh, he and Davion both got pretty hot there in the second half. And for Davion, Tough situation last night. I mean, he probably didn't go into that game thinking he had to play much point, and there he is, yeah. having to lead this team in the final minutes against a ranked team on the road. Two guys I want to bring up to you. Uh, three, actually, we'll just now nah, we'll let's make it the whole bench, Sean. It's just four guys because that that whole team basically got played last night for the most part. I think. Um, let's go individually here. Bryce Hopkins looked like a freshman like a normal college basketball freshman. He got in for two minutes, and that was not good. Turned it over twice, picked up a foul. He did have one rebound, but he missed his only shot he took. I think you could tell from the start that he was just overwhelmed in this kind of game.
0: He was, and absolutely uh, showed that that is not the moment that he's ready to play in, and that's no knock on him. It, no, it's not. He's just not. He just was not ready for that moment on the road in that big of a conference game. Uh, is, is it different? A month or two from now, I, I don't know. Like he'll he'll get another opportunity somewhere, mm-hmm. uh, but that just it was not his night. And uh, they, look, they're they're thin. When when they lose a guy to two fouls in the first half, and then your point guard goes out, you get really really thin.
1: Damian Collins played eight minutes, which is – is that right? Is stat broadcast right? It feels like he didn't play that much. But let's just say he did because this is what stat broadcast has him at. He played eight minutes, Sean. No rebounds, no assists, no turnovers, no points. He did have one block. So he was out there. I don't know if he was getting scored on. He went back and watched the game again. How how would you assess the way he played? Just because looking at the box score, pretty empty from – from this angle.
0: Did he play that many minutes?
1: That's what I'm trying to wonder it's, because it's, it seems
0: it's, like. it's listed at 813 in the official box score.
1: Well, I guess he did um, then. I'm assuming
0: he did. Uh, I know he, he would have had a dunk there on a play in the second half where they hit Oscar and he, he dumped it off to him. But uh, other than that, and were majority of those minutes in the second half too?
1: I think he got in there at the end of the first half. Um, I can pull this up real quick. He subbed in with 918 left and stayed until the 612 mark sub back in with 312 left and it didn't go out until the 42 second mark of oh, the first. And half. He played, yeah. The first half he played two minutes in the second half. So yeah, uh-huh. it looks bright. So the majority of his minutes came in the first half.
0: Okay. And uh, LSU had that run late in the first half as well. So was he on the floor.
1: Um, I think he was. Okay. So. <laughs> excuse me. Not, not great. Not from Collins, but again, these are, these are true freshmen on their, on the road against a good team in their first, conference uh road game. So you know you're not expecting, especially guys who are just role players in general. Those are both bench players who, you know, some games are going to contribute more than others. We saw Dante Allen Sean in the first half get in. And I was like, oh man, that's that's something that he's getting in. He played three minutes, picked up two fouls. Yeah. Didn't take any shots, didn't have any looks, just it is what it is uh with Dante. Would have liked to have seen Cal take a timeout to get Dante back out there just to make LSU respect it, yeah. Because the way it was going to be had to, even if De- Davion didn't turn it over, you you had Davion and you had Kellen. Those are the two guys who had been comfortable with making a three. Um, you, you wouldn't have wanted to throw the ball to Lance to Oscar, and was it Keon or Toppin out there? At do you remember the other Late, guy on the
0: on the last lineup? Topping,
1: very last one. It was Toppin, yeah, so not even Keon. Like
0: so, it, it was, was Topping where Oscar. Grady and Mints was that last lineup. I know things are happening fast, and
1: Cal said, "Didn't Cal say he was screaming for a timeout?" That's what defense? he said. Yeah.
0: Yep. That, but, he was, that he was screaming to, to to take the timeout, and and I get it too. With the timeout, you don't want to take one when you got to go the full length of the floor because you want to take out that full court pressure. But here's the thing: that they were so rattled from that play before. That was one of the craziest endings to a college basketball game you'll ever see. But if you go back yeah. to Notre Dame, it kind of was chaotic as well. Leads to a breakaway dunk late in the yeah. game. I mean, it's just – it's total chaos. I just thought that they were rattled, and that's why I said that I just feel like he should have used a timeout in that spot, even if it allows LSU to set their defense up. Because essentially what you had to do was you just had to guard Mintz and you had to guard Grady. No so one what do you
1: think was. about that? This is a veteran team. What you, you say you think they look rattled. What do you make of that? There wasn't a single freshman on the floor, right?
0: They're rattled situation. because nobody's in the right spot. That's why. So you,
1: you think that could ha- –
0: so you think because
1: Wheeler and Ty out that everyone is doing things they're not comfortable with?
0: 110%. Yeah. and I, and, I, I can see that. And, and I saw it on the clip that I posted on Twitter. Grady was – Grady was talking the most last night on half-court offense. He was trying to tell people where to go but you got dudes in spots like there was one lineup that actually had Keon and Toppin in together. And those two didn't know where to go. Okay. Like I'm the three or am I the three or are you the three? Right. And and I I think I can remember
1: seeing Toppin kind of running around, like not really sure where he was supposed to be.
0: And and that's the challenge with it. When you lose your one and then you lose your backup one. And let's just say this too with, with Ty Ty, when he has to play on the ball, it takes a lot of his game away. I think he's very good off the ball and then getting into those ball screens and stuff as the two man. Savir sets the table. Salvear is really good. You saw that last night. That, that, that he's very important and vital to what this team does. But there's a but Grady, you could see it. He's the one guy that didn't come off the floor. Played 39 minutes last night. And he didn't I know he didn't hit shots in the first half. He hit a ton of shots in the second half. That's a guy that they they just got to keep going to when they're at full strength and they have Savir and they have Tata healthy and Grady's doing his thing, even if he's not shooting 50% or even if he's just shooting 30% from three, I still think this team's a very good team. I really do. Last night changes nothing for me. Now, when they get into this late January schedule and they get more road opportunities, you want to see this team do some stuff on the road and win these close games against quality opponents. But, I mean, you, God, you go back to 2011, that team lost every single road game just about besides at Louisville yeah. and, and Tennessee and – they were all close games, and the next thing you know, March kicks in and they're executing in the clock. They, they figure out what they're doing. I think this team's going to be okay is what I'm trying to say. They dropped one spot in the net. LSU didn't even move up in the net after that win. They go down one spot in Ken Palm, but they're going to face more defensive teams. I told you last night, Tennessee's number two in adjusted defensive efficiency. Auburn's number four. And they got both of those in the next few weeks.
1: Yep, this month, Uh January 15th, they play Tennessee, January 22nd uh, against Auburn. <clears throat> Tennessee games at home, Auburn games on the road, and they close up the month uh, at Kansas. So, you're right, many more games. Let's talk uh, one more player to talk about, because he gave some good minutes last night. Lance Ware, uh, he played 12 minutes, had three rebounds, um, had one dunk. I believe it was a dunk, if I'm remembering right. Uh, he had a lob, right? Yeah, he had the lob. He yeah. threw it down. He got fouled twice. Had an opportunity, he missed all four of his free throws. But Sean Lentzweier seems like a guy that Cal is really enjoying what he's bringing to this team.
0: Yeah, other than the uh building a new gym with the bricks at the free throw line, I mean, goodness, he
1: is—he is, is truly—he um, he is someone who would benefit a lot from improving his offensive game. I'll say that because it's not even just he. Score. I, I almost feel like he's not sure what to do whenever he gets the ball. I'm not trying to be mean, but like he turned it over once. I think he had two turnovers on the night. I think they gave him the ball once in the post, and he just like lost the ball almost immediately. He just needs to me. He feels like a guy he should get their lobs too, because if he has the ball anywhere else, probably something bad might happen.
0: And and yeah, he he has to improve his offensive game if he's going to become a player at UK or beyond yeah. whatever he wants to do. That has to get better. I will tell you this. He's an elite trash talker, probably the best trash talker they have. Like, Keeley Keely tells me every game, she's like, I can't believe what Lance just said. When she's sitting <laughs> down on the floor, like, he goes in instantly. He's talking trash. He's sitting on the bench talking trash. He has the attitude and the mindset. It's just now he's got to get the skill set offensively. But he did some good things. He did. That's not and, – and that's the thing. Like, that's what you need. He's not perfect. I, I, went, I went to tweet this, and then he – missed the entire goal and then about broke the backboard on the next free throw. And I was like, all right, I'm not <laughs> going to tweet this now because the poor kid's just going to get hammered in the mention. So he's not perfect by any means, but he may be perfect for what they need in spots just to spell Oscar when there's foul trouble, just to kind of, you don't have to go out there and, and be, be plus four or plus five on someone. You just got to kind of hold it down and just anchor it and just keep it steady until you can get Oscar back in there. Uh, but, yeah, he's, he's got to improve his offensive game moving forward. He, he has to. But, Eric, it's, it's the first SEC road game. They had an opportunity to win it. They had an opportunity to win it without their guys out there. I mean, who knows? If, if Oscar doesn't throw that ball away, I don't know what happens. We have no idea. Uh, that's a team that at Rupp Arena, Kentucky beats. I think that's a team on a neutral floor, Kentucky beats. That's a team at full strength at Baton Rouge, Kentucky beats. It changes nothing, in my opinion. And you you saw that from some national guys last night that talking about that really look, they're without Savir. Everybody at this point should know that Savir is this gal said it too. He's the straw that serves the drink. And when you take that out, it's pretty important, pretty, pretty big.
1: Looking forward, excuse me, for a guy like Savir, who, you know, Kentucky's next opponent is Georgia, the school he transferred from. Um, I haven't seen any updates. I've not checked Twitter since we started this. I had prior to now when we started this podcast, I've seen nothing updating his availability. Probably won't see anything until Friday, I would guess, the next time that – uh,
0: Gal speaks tonight, his radio show. That's we right. Might, so, yeah, might you might get, might get something in. The end.
1: But this, this Georgia team, Sean, is truly
0: – It's bad.
1: I don't know how many other teams in recent years have been ranked as low as they are in Ken Palm right now.
0: They're 213. Winning the next two does nothing for you, but losing them kills you.
1: Hey, Vanderbilt's, Vanderbilt's up to 68th. They're coming off – they yeah. won at Arkansas last night. This is an improved – I'm not saying they're going to beat Kentucky. I'm just oh, saying.
0: Gosh. I've
1: talked a lot of trash about Vanderbilt, like how they've been the last few years. Because I feel – I genuinely like feel – if you were like a true Vanderbilt fan who enjoys football and basketball, like you've had it rough, really rough for the past few years. I, to me – Jerry Stackhouse leading them to a neutral site win against BYU on December 23rd, having that layoff, coming back, going on the road to Bud Walton Arena, a tough place to play, pulling out a win there. That is a sign of an improved Vanderbilt team. And, hey, this Vanderbilt team gave Kentucky hell twice last year, didn't they? I know it was a lot different for UK back then last year, but Kentucky won by three at home and by four on the road. So Jerry, he's going to have them boys – uh at Vanderbilt ready to play for sure. But Georgia, yes, Georgia, there's, there's, this should not be a close basketball game at all. This should be a 25 point win for Kentucky.
0: Yep. I Dude. would say, even
1: without Saul Wheeler, it should be, you know, no, 15 no. plus, no, no worries win.
0: And I don't want to call it a get right game because I still think Kentucky's okay. Like, I, I want to take last night and just throw it in the trash bin because I don't know. Like, you have no idea. It's not a loss that's going to hurt you on your resume. It, like I said, they're down one spot in the net, one spot in Ken Palm. When the day is over with in college basketball, they might be right back to 15th in the net, depending on what happens tonight. And then by the end of the weekend, we saw they climbed like 30 spots from North Carolina till now. Like, they're okay. There's going to be opportunities, but they've got to get better. they got to get healthy and then get back in that spot again. And you want to see this, honestly, throughout league play. They're going to get challenged a lot. There are good defensive teams in this league. You're going to have to execute to win basketball games late. This team, when it comes down to the SEC tournament and the NCAA tournament, they'll be battle-tested and they'll know exactly what they're supposed to do. They'll be fine. Like, this is – I'm not pressing the panic button with it. Last year, uh, two hands on it, sitting on it, standing on it, whatever you want to do, I'm, I'm not pressing the panic button after a loss at LSU without their their top two guards down the stretch.
1: No question. Um and I did go check Twitter real quick, and this is going to be a segue into what I was about to say anyway. So, um, I guess final call, Sean right for our football mailbag that we plan to record yeah. tomorrow. Uh, saw just now on Twitter uh, about 10 minutes ago, Marquand McCall has declared for the NFL draft. That was expected. Uh, he, he decided to play in the Shrine Bowl, and he announced that a few weeks ago, which was you know, obvious that he wasn't going to come back. But that is official for Marquand. So, if you have any questions, though, Um, hit us let us know because like I said yesterday it might be a little bit unless just some crazy things happen on the football side but I think we plan to make tomorrow's episode uh, a football episode and kind of recap the season whatever questions you have and then um, back to Friday probably going to be doing a lot of basketball from there Sean is there anything else you want to add from this LSU game
0: I think that's got it I'm obviously going to watch the game probably a couple more times I'll probably watch it once more tonight late and then one more tomorrow morning that I'm Throwing it behind me and moving on to Georgia, um, I think what I'm going to start doing, Derek, is I'm going to start watching some of these opponents and going back and kind of putting a scouting report together and kind of offering it up on this pod as we go throughout the schedule and, and talk about the Georgia's, the Kansas games, Tennessee, and all those opponents. Uh, we're right in the heart of basketball season now. Like content will definitely be there, two games a week, everything going on with this roster, and uh, we'll be we'll be right here to keep you updated as always. The show is powered by Blue Wire Pods. It's also powered by the Butcher's Pub. You got three locations: Pineville, Williamsburg, and London. If you see any updates for me tonight on Twitter, I'll probably be sitting at the Butcher's Pub in London, Kentucky, updating them. So I'm going to give you all my assessment and uh, review of, of that location. Uh, but you can visit the ButchersPub.com or check them out on Facebook. He's Derek Terry. I'm Sean Smith. We'll catch you next time on Kentucky Daily.